0: The first degree. 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 The first degree. You see it on the news. You see it on the paper. You see it on Facebook. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life.
1: So I ended up, we ended up like tossing a little bit and then I fell onto the floor and he's just welling on me and he had the knife in a del taco bag so at first i didn't understand i was getting stabbed
2: hey guys welcome to the first degree the true crime podcast that you might end up on my name is jack vanek i'm sitting across from alexis Linkletter, next to billy jensen and we have an extra special guest in the studio and this is a rare occurrence It doesn't happen often. I think it's only happened once for us in the beginning. Right. Uh, We have Tara Newell from, I don't know if you've listened to it, Dirty John podcast. It's one of the most infamous podcasts about true crime, I think, that has ever been. It was certainly one of the best I've ever heard.
1: Yeah. And so, thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys so much for having me. You're making me feel so special. (laughs) we are
2: special. you,
1: You cannot get us, like
2: out of Hollywood to go do a podcast. Uh, so no. this is a big deal yeah, for us. Yeah,
0: driving to Beverly Hills in traffic is pretty special. It is the, pretty yeah. special. And also well, you're, you're you came one from of Long the, Beach Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're one of the biggest badasses in true crime because you are an amazing survivor and now thriver. Oh, and thank um, you. and your story is is incredibly amazing.
2: Yeah, inspirational to yeah. pretty much every woman on the face of this earth. Yeah. And man, right?
0: And man, too. Yeah, you don't have to be a woman to 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 be inspired. Honestly, when
3: I was listening to your pod to your podcast, but when I was listening to the part of the podcast where that was playing out, I was so overwhelmed. And the idea—I mean, it didn't cross my mind that you would ever be on ours. But I'm just so happy you are because that,
1: you guys, it's unbelievable.
3: You are this tiny, beautiful. Angel, (laughs) angel person. (laughs) Honestly, and it's like the idea that
2: you were able to do what you did overwhelms me. We're going to jump into it. You're already jumping so far Because I'm going to cry! I know. (laughs) But okay, so before we get to our day, I just want to say, CrimeCon is in two days. We're going to be there on Podcast Row. Billy's also doing a panel. But Tara's going to be there as well. And you're going to be doing a panel and a luncheon and all this stuff, right? Yes. And having drinks with us. And becoming our new best friend. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) So what
2: are you you doing at at CrimeCon?
1: We are doing a panel and talking about coercive control with Laura Richards and My mother, Deborah Newell. And then we are doing a luncheon where guests can come and do like one-on-one meet and greets with us and get to know us and just ask us any questions they may have.
2: A nice little meet and greet. Cool. So please come and visit us. It'll be so fun. But what day is it, Billy?
3: Also use our code DEGREE19
2: for 10% 10 off. (laughs) off
3: your passes.
0: Happy Festival of Popular Delusions Day.
2: What does that even
3: mean? It's so... Abstract. that that's the one I pick for the day. I yeah.
2: already know I love it.
0: Yeah, but it's also, and you'll appreciate this, Jack, happy National Attitude Day.
2: Jack's day. <laughs> I do have an attitude. <laughs> I am the sass queen. You really <laughs> are. I will have to say, so thank you for my day.
0: <laughs> and it's also National ve- Veggie Burger Day, too, but nobody cares about that.
2: Nah. Well, what is your favorite day, Tara? On
1: that one? Yeah. On
0: that on this one. Here, you can... Here, What's here, resonating? Here, no, here's you the can list. choose your own day. What is resonating with you?
1: I like National Attitude Day because I feel like every woman should have a little bit of an attitude and even like a man. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> but, not sometimes that much. but not that much. No. I, don't should, think, I, don't, I don't think men need. men should at all. just sit down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of big enough dicks just, as it is. Yeah. You unless, just need like, to listen. Yeah, unless like you're a gay man, you know, like all of my fine. friends are like, yeah. you know, what? Sit down, Tara. And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> standing yeah. is exhausted. Yeah. I will no. sit down. My yeah. legs are
2: tired. I will have a seat. Thank you. Do you yeah. have one? You want to pull up a chair for me? Thanks, asshole. Right. <laughs> okay, so we're doing this podcast a little bit different because Tara's in the studio. And also because I'm assuming if you guys are listening to this podcast, you probably know your story already. So we wanted to just get a new perspective. And we obviously, when we were listening to the podcast, watching the show, we had a bunch of questions that we'd want to ask you if we ever had you in front of us. So that's kind of what this podcast is going to be. But first, we'll do a little bit of a summary of the Dirty John story.
3: So we are going to start. We have many questions and some of our listeners had questions and each of us have our own questions. But we want to start. In somewhat of a chronological order. Okay. So as far as the beginning of this story, the beginning of this chapter, the Dirty John chapter, talk about the moment you met this person and what you knew and what your instincts were and try to remain in those moments and not in hindsight
2: because like first impressions of course
3: because obviously knowing what you know now (laughs) i mean it's easy to have that all blend together but truthfully when you met him was there were there alarm bells going off
1: well at first i gotta say like i don't typically like a lot of my mom's boyfriends or significant others uh she just doesn't have the best picker sometimes. <laughs> same. Um, I mean honestly, That same. resonates with yeah. me. <laughs> and uh, so whenever I would meet him, them I just kind of go into already like judging them. Yeah. <laughs> and so I went there and I drove all the way from Vegas to stay with my mom because she was moving to the Balboa place and um, I just remember meeting him with my ex-boyfriend at the time and John was trying to put mattress on the car, and he seemed to really be struggling. And so my ex-boyfriend went and, like, helped him. And my ex-boyfriend had a cast at the time, so <laughs> it, like, kind of looked like Tweedledee and Tweedledum, <laughs> like, trying to put a mattress on top of the car. Oh, um, So I was just like, okay, that's interesting, but, like, not judging because, you know... You can't judge someone for not being able to put a mattress on the top of a car yeah, again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I go to meet him and he just doesn't really introduce himself at first and then my mom come down comes down she introduces her like significant other to us and it was like oh this is John and John this is my daughter Tara I'm so excited for you guys to meet each other and we met each other and it was just like oh, okay like Another nice to meet you. Moron, yeah. Yeah. And then we get to the Balboa house and we unload the stuff. Um, she kept talking about how much he loved dogs so much and that he was so much like me. Oh, no. And I was just like, okay, like, here's my dogs. Here's my three dogs. Like, say hello to them. And he, like, says hi, but, like, one of my dogs is just like, Well, it's a Border Collie, first of all. So they have, like, a little ADHD. they're smart. Yeah. They're,
3: they're like, the smartest dogs there are. Yes.
1: And so, like, the dog, he was saying hi to the dog, like, on the ground with the dog. And my dog was just, like... Putting its head in the air, like trying to look other places. <laughs> <But> <laughs> he didn't want to look him in the eyes. by the dog. Yeah. So I didn't think too much into that because I was like, "Well, he's a busy dog. Like, he just probably places wants to, to run around. Go. Things yeah. to do." And then um, we ended up going out to dinner and. We went to CBK, California Pizza Kitchen. Oh, we know, girl. Yes. And he paid for the bill, surprisingly, but like whenever I would ask him questions at dinner, he just didn't seem like he wanted to engage in the conversation and to give full answers. Like, he wanted to give a close-ended answer where it was not leading to anything more.
2: Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you think he was doing that because he didn't want to, like, reveal too much about him since he was obviously like
0: making a lot of shit up the the more the more you talk the more (laughs) the more holes that you can poke in somebody's story right and the more that he'd have to remember when he has to tell the lie again
1: he didn't want to get to know us and he didn't care to get to know us well and that's the thing when you're encountering something like that
3: there are a few options a they're not that smart and they can't hold a conversation b they're insecure Mm Mm-hmm see they don't or it's the, they don't want to it's intentional they're they're shutting this conversation down on purpose and those are generally the three things you're working with when you encounter people like this right and i'm an idiot i always give people the benefit of the doubt. i'm like oh they're
2: insecure they're dumb <laughs> but it's like no they're calculated yeah I know. they know exactly what and they're stop doing. doing that okay so you meet him for the first time and then when did the first red flags start to show and where or when did you just start feeling that like in your gut that this guy's fucking weird well, well first
0: is that were, were were those any red flags at all oh, or was um, it just like alright this guy's shifty I normally don't like any of my either way. Boy so boyfriends anyway and that's it.
1: One of the signs was him not wanting to look us in the eyes directly mm-hmm. yeah, and him not being able to hold on a conversation because normally when you date someone and they have kids you want to get to know their kids because they're a part of this person. Right. And so anyone that has an ounce of empathy or anything in them then they're gonna want to communicate with us and actually conversate with us and then um it's funny that you asked me more about red flags is because we drove back and we pull up to my mom's new place and there's me my ex-boyfriend and my best friend in the back seat of my mom's car and I open the door to get out, and I can't get out because there's a child lock on the door. And I say, John, can you let me out? There's a child lock on the door. And I'm kind of soft-spoken, so I'm like, okay, maybe he didn't hear me the first time. So I say it, like, one more time. He gets out of the car, and he goes upstairs. And I'm just like, literally, I'm in the car. And I had to call my mom on the phone, and I was kind of really irritated. And I was like, Mom, you're Freaking boyfriend won't let me out of the car right now. Like, can you come downstairs and let us out of the car? <laughs> Do you think it was in hindsight? Is that like a power move? I think it's a like a
3: control issue. Like weird. he was gonna be like, I'm not gonna let you out of the car. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And he pretended, and I'm gonna pretend I just didn't yeah. hear you, yeah. but I'm really doing it on purpose. Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah.
1: So I thought that was extremely weird.
2: Yeah, that is a weird thing.
1: What it is, it seems like
2: resentful
1: behavior
3: because I've done stuff like that, little things, when I'm irritated <laughs> at a friend. You're like, I know that. No, my friend, from first my announced. best friend from home has been sending me Venmo requests for bottle service in Vegas that I don't want to pay because I didn't <laughs> want to get bottle service and it was for two ninety-seven, and I waited... I did it 3 days later than she wanted and I gave her 2.95. <laughs> and it cuz I was pissed. <laughs> so that's resentful behavior and that's an example of me doing that. But it's harmless. Like you can eat the 2 dollars. I flew to Vegas for you. Right. Yeah. Um, but it was just to be a dick and prove a point, but it was harmless. That seems like something someone would do when they're mad at you but he had no reason to be mad at you.
2: Exactly. It was just to show you like Well, and it's like dismissive, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Right. Mm. As someone who does it. (laughs) You're such a dick. I know. Um, So, okay, so these, like, little red flags keep popping up. And did you ever talk to your mom about the guys that she was dating? Like, and express
1: your opinion saying that, like, maybe this guy isn't right or this is kind of weird. All the time, which is why she probably didn't take my sister and I serious when we were saying, like, hey, there's something not right with this guy here. So it, like, kind of created my mom to be like, oh, well, they don't like anyone who I date.
0: What were the things that you would say about the other guys?
1: Uh, Well, a lot of them were actually, like, kind of con artists also. I was going to say,
2: did she date any other, like, narcissistic?
1: Yes. And, like... The last guy she was engaged to, uh, like she bought him a plane. And <laughs> <laughs> if,
2: if you, you could see, see all of her faces. faces. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, she bought him a plane because he was like, "Well, I can't come down to see you that much. I live in Northern California." And she and he had his pilot license, so she was like, "Oh, it's just like get you a plane i guess oh my god there was like probably more to it like right. not just i'll get you a but plane But the cliff notes <laughs> are all you need to know about that he ended up with a plane yeah. yeah so like he really pulled one over on her she was engaged to him but like he had multiple other women and i think he even had a wife or something oh my god so just like coming from that into this guy we were already the family was already on like red alert Jesus. <laughs> it's like something she, I would
2: do. Did she find did she find all these guys on cuz she found John on Match, right? I'm um, our time.
0: What the hell is that? Oh, that's it's, the uh, 50 and over or something 60 yeah, over. Is it 50? It's, yeah. yeah. it's like
2: over, yeah. You're like reclaiming your time <laughs> back. <laughs> our, our time, time. Yeah,
0: it's our, our time, time. time now. The, the kids are out of the house. It's our time. Yeah.
1: So, but did she find all the other guys on dating apps too? I'm so, a lot of them, she actually, like, got set up through friends. Okay. But she was Shitty doing, friends, man. Right? Like, like she... were these dudes? Friends don't
3: know. I mean, I hear stories in some of the cases we cover, too, where it's like, they set them up, and then one of them, he kills them. You know, it's like, you don't... The friends are just as tricked by their fake charisma you know what i mean yeah that's yeah. true yeah. especially friends like guy friends i have if i set them up with someone i'd be like he's a good guy like you don't you're like you don't really, w- even really know. know friends that well yeah. when you're an adult yeah right you see them like once a month <laughs> except for you two i see you guys too much <laughs> yeah, <we're> stuff <laughs> doing this <laughs> We love doing this. <laughs> Perfect. I swear
0: we love it. <laughs> no, we do. So when?
2: <laughs>
1: Tell them the
0: next time that you see him. Uh, when, when did you? When did you talk to your mother about him? Was it in between the first time that you met him and the second time?
1: I think it was. Um, so I went back to Vegas after the first week because I was living in Vegas full time at that time, um, and then I came back to balboa newport mm-hmm. beach for thanksgiving and then uh, i confronted her the day before thanksgiving that he was driving her car around and i was like he's an anesthesiologist why doesn't he have his own car um is there something wrong with him
0: was <laughs> so, the, and, <laughs> and was this the second had you met him a second time or is this
1: um the... so this would be like i went Had, like, a weekend with them. Okay. And then I came back for Thanksgiving and had, like, a few days prior. And then um, the day before Thanksgiving happened, and Mm -hmm. that's when I... That's when you confronted her. her, Yeah, I confronted her, and I just had all these questions. And then he, when I was confronting her, talking to her he came up right behind her and started screaming at me and saying that I wanted my mom all to myself. I didn't want to see my mom happy and then just accusing me of other things also.
0: And did you start, was this the first time that that he ever was like that or showed any aggression towards you? Yes. Yeah. Did you think that, uh, did you have a feeling that he wasn't an anesthesiologist?
1: Never, to be honest. No. I found a nursing certificate in the closet because I was going to put my suitcase in the closet and then there was a box and his, like, nursing certificate was, like, the first thing I saw right <laughs> on top planted. of the box. You know, it was, like... I wasn't snooping. It was just right in front of my eyes. Do you think he put it there so somebody would see it? I honestly think that he thought that i was gonna turn it around but i don't know anything about the medical field so i just was like okay he's a nurse also you know yeah you're like this right but something was triggered in him where he thought differently because he accused me of snooping and i was like i wasn't snooping so then when
2: you ended up putting like a tracker on his car. My sister. did. Your sister ended up putting yes. a tracker on his car. <laughs> did you guys have like an app on your phone? How are you following it around?
1: Um, I believe my sister has an app on her phone or from the computer. She, yeah, she is really um involved in spy gadgets. <laughs> Hell yeah! There's like a shop in Newport that you go to, can go to also, and you can just like buy car trackers and other like listening devices for them and so she went to the spy shop and got a few trackers put it on my mom's tesla because she um, had him driving around her tesla a lot and he was going from like different doctor offices to like another one so i think well we thought he was getting drugs during that time and may have been just, like, writing prescriptions for someone or something along, like, illegal drugs.
2: Mm-hmm. Fun fact, one of the hospitals that he went to was where I was born. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Mission Viejo Hospital. Oh, wow. Orange County. Yeah, I was like, ah, it's my hospital. Uh-huh. <laughs> A great connection. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. Um, so,
1: wait, what, what was he doing? Did you ever find out what he was doing? I'm um, nothing but speculations to be honest, right. because it's not like we had a camera on him. It was just we had a tracker, and we found out he was going to different doctors. Was he just to pretend to be and a he doctor. He could have just
2: been in the parking lot, just sitting there for a half an hour or right. whatever, right?
0: Do you think he knew he was being tracked?
1: I don't think so at this time. I think he thought my sister was crazy, but like I didn't think he knew she was really smart.
0: Where did you put the tracker?
1: Um, what does a tracker look like? <laughs> so I would actually help my sister out sometimes with this. Uh-huh. So my mom would go to dinner with me, and he didn't allow my mom to go to dinner with my sister, so she would, like, have to sneak. Didn't allow? Yes. It was so stupid. But I would, like, tell her, okay, let's go to dinner this place, and then I would text my sister and be like, okay, her car's in ballet right now. Like, this is where it's at. And then she would go put the tracker on the car. And then my mom would go back home to him so and then he would take her car the next day
0: right and then we're, we, they put the tracker underneath the car
1: yes underneath mm-hmm. the car like underneath a bumper or something right mm-hmm.
0: it's just magnetic yeah yeah all right so you've got the tracker on the car uh what how is he acting towards you if you are you at to dinner with him?
1: Um, no, he wouldn't come because I had the falling out with him, mm-hmm. and ever since that, it was.
0: It was, was the falling weird. out at, right before Thanksgiving? Yes, that the day out. before Thanksgiving. The day before Thanksgiving. Yes. Okay. And so, did you even have Thanksgiving dinner with him?
1: No. I didn't have Thanksgiving dinner with my family at all. Like, my sister and I did a separate thing with our boyfriends, and it was kind of, like, sad. But her boyfriend's a great cook, so he made all the food. And then my two of my my niece and my nephew and then my other sister and brother-in-law came over after my mom's Thanksgiving with John and all of that. Well, I was basically told I wasn't allowed at Thanksgiving, and that was like the first year that that's ever happened. Yeah, and over your whole yeah, your whole life, <laughs> yeah, and over a guy that she knew for two months. And had she ever with any of the like? Because you're saying that
2: her past boyfriends were also like kind of con, art- con artists, narcissist personality people. Did any of them pull you away from your family and Not from like her this. like that? So this is like a new thing. It wasn't yeah. something that happened with all the rest of her boyfriends. You know,
0: it reminds me so much of the uh, Rasmussen and the Allentown 4 case. And that was his M.O. Was was to first... I mean, it, it, he would he would end up... And he was doing it for different reasons. But he would... And this was a lot easier to do in the seventies, where he would take somebody, alienate the family, and then move them away. And because you don't have social media, um, all you had was phones. You don't, you had landlines. Oh, we don't have the landline. It was very easy to lose track of somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if this was happening in the seventies, that potentially could have been what he would he would have done. This is like, yeah. oh no, we're moving someplace else, and that's it. And, and then, you stop talking,
1: you lose communication. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: It's crazy. Yeah. Well, they did eventually move to Vegas. And I think that that was part of, like, his M.O. to, like, separate her. her. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
3: question I have, as far as, and I know you aren't your mom, but as far as from your perspective, what is it about the guy she chooses? Like, Why do you think she chooses? I mean, she's a successful, accomplished, beautiful woman, attractive, beautiful family, you know,
1: why do you think she chooses these guys? Uh, well, a lot of these guys do a technique which is called love bombing. Oh, girl. I've I, been love
2: bombed. I've dated a psychopath before. Yeah. So when I was, like, listening to the podcast, I'm like, this, because they're all, and I'm sure you've done a lot of research, too, afterwards, like, trying yes. to make sense of everything, and all their behavior is so textbook. Mm-hmm. They all do the same moves. And it's the same thing. So when you, like, hear somebody else doing it, like, yeah. I was love-bombed. I was told that he loved me after, like, two days. Wanted to marry me after a week. Believed all the things. Mm-hmm. So I understand, like, where you want to believe it so bad with somebody. yeah. And, like, I, especially, I guess, if you're older. Your mom was married a couple times, right? Like, Yeah, like,
1: Four or five <laughs> <laughs> A few. A few. But it's
2: like you if you want that, like it's easy to believe it and it's easy to ignore Yes. All the red flags that I guess are happening, right?
1: Yeah, well, I'm even talking with like one of my friends and she's in a relationship and I don't think this guy's a narcissistic or narcissistic or a psychopath or sociopath, but just He is confused, and it's just, she sees a lot of the red flags that he's confused, and she doesn't want to admit to them, so it's, when you're in it, you don't want to admit to that, because you're like, oh, I think I found this love, finally. Yeah. I I mean,
3: excuses. I just did it, like, a year and a half ago, and it was a nightmare, and I moved in with someone. It crashed and burned. I moved out. It was a horrible... Horrible situation, and it's like I thought I already thought I was an adult and that I was making wise choices.
2: Yeah, no, you're not. <laughs> so still not. I'm still not. No, I'm still well, not they either. seem
3: wise at the time, and then when you're out of it and
2: you can be introspective, you're just like, what was I thinking? Yeah. So it's like, do you think that she just she just wanted? that kind of love.
1: Yeah, like, all of her kids were out of the house. She didn't have any dogs at the time, you know, so she wants someone there with her. And I'm I'm not going to lie, I'm a really independent person, but sometimes it's, like, nice to have someone around to help you with stuff and, like, give you attention. And put so. a, a shelf on a wall. Yeah. <laughs> Even when you're single, it's nice to have someone to just text all day with.
3: Yes. It's, it's nice to just have someone... It's it's just a distraction from the, the horror that is the reality of being an adult. Yeah. <laughs> Where I'm like, cool, at work again. <laughs> sad AF. And I'm like, it's been six weeks. Like, the weeks are flying by. Like, you want you want something.
2: She, Alexis is really venting right now. I'm really going through it. She's going through it.
1: I feel you. But this is, this is like about you, not about me. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's
2: okay. okay so where are we are where are we in the story we're we're, why she's choosing we're tracking the car she's choosing these shitty shitty men over and over again and then she's getting fooled yes so what about the, the
3: the first sign of something more disturbing than just not being invited to thanksgiving
1: Um, he, well, he, like, isolated us, which is a sign a sociopath and psychopath do, is alienate the person from their family and friends. Um, then a lot of the other red flags is he was using her car, he didn't have his own car, and then when we would ask him why he didn't have his own car, it was because he came up with this elaborate story, how when he was in Iraq... All of his cars and his motorcycle got stolen. Ugh. All the cars. Uh-huh. The motor- Look at Billy's face. <laughs> and I'm just like, when he told me this story, I'm just like, okay, I call BS on that. Like, yeah. You can't tell someone that. And then you're like wondering where the insurance money is. And. No offense, but if you're high up there and you're an anesthesiologist, then you have good insurance that will take care of that right away, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that's yeah. a pretty
2: shitty lie. So this is around Thanksgiving, right, that we were talking about, and then when, how long was it between Thanksgiving and then when everything went down?
1: Um, When everything, so she married him in December, and then I honestly...
0: Did you go to the wedding?
1: Heck no. Yeah, she got right. she got married in Vegas, though, which is where I was living Ellie at that time. I got married in Vegas. I got married oh, in Vegas, you too. Where'd she get
0: married? I'm... Um,
1: she's like, I'm blocking it out. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure... I don't think it was the Little White Chapel, though. We
0: didn't get, we did the Little Church of the West.
1: I think that's where they got married. Really? No. That's
0: where, and the same guy that married us married Richard Gere and Cindy Crawford. And that, <laughs> didn't, that didn't wind up good at all.
1: No, but Cindy Crawford did but, okay. But,
0: uh, One out of three. But also, Elvis marries uh, Anne Margaret at the end of Viva Las Vegas in that same chapel, too. Oh,
2: okay. Is that why you picked it?
0: That's not why I picked it. No, <laughs> it was just a cool looking chapel. All right. Yeah. So got, okay, so they get married in December. Yes, and
1: nobody goes. No one goes. It's like no one even knew about that for probably like a year. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Oh shit. And so when she like left him the first time, I know the date because it was What my, prompted
3: the first leaving?
1: Um my family hired a private investigator. And then we showed her all this information. And that's when she left him the first time.
0: What information?
1: Um. So that he was a drug addict. That what was he addicted he, to? He was doing pills, right? Um. I think. I believe it was like ketamine, oh and um, like a bunch of hardcore like painkillers, wow. and then he loved cocaine. Um, Shocker. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> loved cocaine, and he just was into kind of any upper he could get his hands on. Okay. Um and then he would also like send drugs to his brother, but this is like before he even met my mom. And his brother overdosed on the drugs that John gave to him. Oh shit. And so um he's did he die? Yeah. Oh,
2: oh my God. God.
1: Yeah. So his own like, brother. Yes. Wow. So like his sisters and everything blame John for his brother's death mm-hmm. and there is some speculation on the dad also because um he went in when his dad was like on his deathbed and his sister left the room and when his sister came back the dead, the dad was dead John was very smart and he did like work in the medical field, so his sister thinks that she may have given him something to speed it up.
3: Mm. Just like he had somewhere else to be? Like, (laughs) speed it up by what? Two hours? uh, 10 hours? Two weeks? Like, that's... It just seems... It's something a psychopath would do. Like, I have somewhere to fucking be. Let's get this over with. Right. Um, even if it's he's on his deathbed, it's like, alright, I don't have a week. It sounds... So, like something a psychopath would do, yeah, yeah and like, justify it. Like, what is a week gonna do? He's comatose. Yeah, like
2: chop, chop, dude. Yeah.
3: yeah,
1: he needs that money now, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. What did he get? Like
2: a did he get an inheritance from his dad?
1: I okay, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I believe there was a small inheritance. Okay.
2: Yes. He needed that money to buy those coffees, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> those, those macchiatos are expensive. They are.
3: There's six dollars.
0: So when does he find out, does he find out that, that you hired a PI?
1: So I don't think he had any idea. I didn't have anything to do with hiring the private PI. Um, it was like my sister Jacqueline and then my brother-in-law and then my other sister was involved in that and, um, that he was using different social security card numbers for, um, Nursing certificates and stuff are not for the nursing certificate, but to be a nurse in other places and mm-hmm. stuff yeah um and then he also like he conned so many other women, and there was information on restraining orders on him from like someone in Laguna Beach. I think there was one from his sister in there, and then there was like something that just disturbed me so much was john actually when he was in one of the jails he cut open his stomach and he put um he put crap in there like yeah what wait what so that he would to, go to, to the simulate doctor sepsis or
0: something?
1: um yeah. so that he would have to go to the doctor yeah. and get all these drugs and stuff in him oh but he's God. also smart and he knows the medical field where he can do it like where but he, he knew he wasn't going to get himself. hurt, you know. Because I a saw psycho. the, yeah, I saw the pictures and it was so disgusting. And but when I saw those pictures, I was like, if he could do this to himself, then he can harm someone like no problem.
0: Oh yeah, no problem. So your mom leaves him. Um, who does he blame?
1: I think he's blaming all of us, but, yeah. um. He was able to convince her that a lot of the stuff that the PI found wasn't him, that it was other John Meehans. Mm-hmm, for and, sure. Yeah, and then he <laughs> took her to a lawyer, and the lawyer explained this also to her.
2: Like from his pers- perspective?
3: I
1: think so. I,
3: I have a question. I'm curious, just hearing you what you just said about how your sister Jacqueline was kind of spearheading the PI thing, I'm just wondering, how over time like he locked in on you and why and like because you seem the most not the most and it's just what i know on the podcast so forgive me but you seem passive in the situation where you were upset by it but your sisters were kind of
2: the ones being more aggressive facilitating
3: the... the like i don't care if you know i'm hiring a pi like i think you're a scumbag and you were being more passive like how did he lock in on you and
1: why was his anger put on you Um, well, okay, so I actually had his dog, um, probably because his dog didn't like him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, he would leave, um, Vegas and leave the dog at the Vegas house. And then he would come to California and stalk us. So the dog would get out of the yard and it kept getting out. So the neighbors kept putting the dog back. Mm -hmm. But then one day the dog ended up at animal control. And we gave him a few days to get the dog out of there. But then my mom was like, I'm going to go get the dog. I love this dog. Like, it's m- our dog now. Like, I gave him a chance to get it. And so my mom works so much. So she gave the dog to me to watch. So that could have had. Something to do with why he came up after me, but I think it's honestly that he underestimated me, yeah. And he thought that I was my mom's favorite, kind of.
3: <laughs> Are you? Like,
1: sorry, I'm a bus. Oh, well, I'm the baby, like, <laughs> so a maybe. yeah. So maybe, and then I'm just a lot more easygoing. Yeah, you're chill, you're I so can chill. Tell. I love it. Then like, was yeah, like you, than my <laughs> sister and stuff. So I think he thought I was an easy target.
2: Is your sister physically taller than you? Like, did it have anything to do with your size? Cause you're so tiny.
1: Oh no, my sister's like so much tinier than me. Oh really? Yeah, she's like double zero, like five two, just, well, I'm five two too, but she's tiny. Interesting. You know, I just remember hearing on the podcast though, you are kind of, when, in,
3: meeting you in person is, I'm just imagining when I first listened to the podcast, you sound whimsical and relaxed and nice. And your sisters are a little bit more like, oh hell no. Da, 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 da. You know, so like So you think
2: that like as an aggressive personality from him, he would go after somebody else passive. that was No, I would think I would think I have I mean thinking of like people that I have known that were psychopaths and how they um acted in relationships, they acted more violent and aggressive with somebody that the partner was also a little bit more aggressive so it was like i think he was trying to hurt
0: well it was try- yeah, the mom that exactly so right it
3: What's was more about the like hmm, the it was more just like an equation like Who's going to be the easiest and who's going to hurt her the most?
0: Yeah, I'm and, give me, gonna, I'm, and not
3: put up a thing. And, and I'm going
0: to take the baby.
1: Yeah, and exactly. So then
2: he he started stalking you guys, right? Yes. And then how did you find out he was stalking you? Did you actually see him?
1: Never. But I always had that sense that I was being followed. Yeah. and it was really weird because like I would walk home from the bars all by myself. Like that would have been the perfect time to grab me. Oh, and I would like do these like two mile walks home from the bars just because I like to walk and I didn't want to order an Uber because I was being cheap. Um, <laughs> Billy likes to, Billy likes to
2: walk too. Yeah, I or lo- he's like, I, where are you? You're I late. Love, he's like, I I'm,
3: walking. I'm walking. But Billy is like yeah. Slender
2: Man walking around. <laughs> he's like always gonna attack him. And you have a long gate. It's like ten feet
3: every yeah. time you yeah. take this. yeah
0: yeah i can i can walk a mile in in probably about six
2: minutes (laughs) (laughs) so you always felt like he was like
1: lurking like there's something you just felt it yeah and then i didn't get confirmation until after my attack actually okay because um i he called my work the day before and he was just um using a fake french accent and he was like oh hello i would like to make um an appointment for my two dogs my rhodesian rich backs oh, yeah God. i met like two rhodesian rich bags, <laughs> like a couple days prior mm-hmm. but normally when people call to get their dogs groomed it's usually the wife calling right because the wife is always like i like them like this like this way or the highway, and the guy's always like, Oh, I need you to call my wife. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, That's kind of fishy. Because it's a man calling.
2: And did you recognize his voice at all just from? No. I can't imagine his accent was good. <laughs>
1: no, it wasn't. But like the dogs are barking in the kennel. So it's like, oh, I just need to get this person also, off the phone. Right. That's crazy. Who thinks you're calling for, pretending to be a Frenchman with two Rhodesian <laughs>
3: red <laughs> Like you're just not looking at that under a microscope because you're like, that's madness. Yeah. No right. one
2: would do
1: that. Yeah. And those dogs are technically from South America. So, <laughs> so he
2: fucked <popped> up. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. make any sense. <laughs> So he yeah. called the day before, said that was a weird Frenchman, yeah. and then obviously didn't bring the dogs in.
1: No, um, he didn't show at all. He actually called right before my lunch break, and it got disconnected. So I was like, oh, I don't think this guy is going to show, and I just had a feeling that this guy wasn't going to show either. So I literally, like, left work and I went home for my break because we have, like, a two to three hour break um, just so the dogs can, like, rest and we can do, like, a full eight hour day, you know? So I went home, got, started getting ready because I had um, a country concert that night for Jason Aldean and... Oh, gotta go to Jason Aldean. Okay. I'm a big country fan too, Oh, you are? Way. Yeah. Okay. I saw you are at Stagecoach. You were both coach. at Stagecoach yes. at the same oh, time. You were? Mm-hmm. Oh,
2: you I go every year.
1: I'm like surprised I didn't run into you then. I know. Oh,
2: gotta go next year. Next, next year. Yes. Okay, anyway, sorry. So Jason Aldean.
1: Yeah, so I was playing go to Jason Aldean's concert. So I went home, started like prepping for that so that when I got off work, I could just be like, oh, I just need to throw on this and get out the door. And, um, so I went home, got ready a little bit and then I went back to work and I just fed the dogs, took them out a couple of times and kind of put them to bed and so that I was able to get off a little bit early and I left and went home early and I pull up and I pull up to where I always park, but the gate was broken and it's been broken for a few days. So I just like went right in and as I go past the broken gate my dog just starts going off on a guy and I'm just I looked over and it was well it was John but I didn't know it was John Yeah. and he was just fiddling with a tire iron that is
3: terrifying right
1: and he was like backed up into the space and I just look at him and I'm like oh he's homeless like oh He'll just, like, figure out his stuff, and he needs a place for a minute, you know. And um, I told my dog to knock it off, and he knocked it off. And then I pull into the space. I get out of my seat, and then I get my dog out of the back seat, and then I pull, um, start walking to go down the ramp. And he grabs me right by my license plate, and he grabs me by the waist and looks me in the eyes and says, Do you remember me? And I just, like, looked up at him, and I was like, oh, I didn't say anything to him, but I was like, oh, yeah, I remember you. And well, you know, who
2: are you? Right?
1: And I just started trying to flee in that moment because I was just like, I just need to run and get to my house and get ready for this concert. Did, and did you today? feel? Did you feel endangered?
2: At the moment that you saw him, like when he grabbed your waist, you were like, oh, shit, he's going to try to do something.
1: Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, he's going to try to kill me now. Oh, fuck. And so that's why I knew I had to flee because I didn't think I would be able to fight this man. And I thought my best case is if I run and get help from someone. Yeah. I started trying to flee away from him. I was unable to disconnect from him the whole time. Um, Where
0: was he holding on to you?
1: So he grabbed me by the waist like is were like like how you would like just swoop someone kind of like by the waist mm-hmm. right and then i like tried to get away and then he i'm like screaming and he's trying to cover my mouth i bit him as hard as i could when he tried to cover up my mouth because i'm like he could try to put like chloroform in my mouth something yeah. so i'm like i'm going to fight as hard as i can bite as hard as i can do everything as best as i can in this moment and able to survive so i ended up we ended up like tossing a little bit and then i fell on onto the floor and he's just welling on me and he had the knife in a del taco bag so at first i didn't understand i was getting stabbed until i saw the knife and then um
0: so he was so he had his hand inside the del taco bag but holding the knife and then that's what he was
1: so he had the del taco bag and then he had his hand um around like the Opening kind of, and then stabbing through Mm -hmm. the back. Yes, he was stabbing through the back. Right,
0: weird.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And um, then I'm on the ground, and I'm pedal kicking him. And I just came from work, so I was wearing rain boots, which had um, a good significance in this attack and me surviving. And then um, my dog was also attacking his ankles and biting his ankles. While he was on top of me. And I just kept pedal kicking and just trying to block the knife as it came down. And then at one point I was able to kick the knife out of the his forearm. And it landed exactly like on my right hand side where I was able to pick up the knife. It was in the ice pick position. So the perfect position to pick up a knife and start just whaling back on him. And I just started wailing back on him. He started to fall on top of me. I, like, grabbed his head because I watched so much Walking Dead that I'm like, he can't bite me. (laughs) And so he's, like, falling on top of me. I have his head. And then I gave two stabs, one to the forehead and then the very last one in the eye. And the one in the eyes which made him brain dead in the kill shot to everyone else and um then he fell like completely on top of me I pushed him off of me and then I took the knife I tossed it as far as I could away so that he wouldn't get up and grab the knife right away and then I just kind of start screaming for help at that point point. and then there was a guy that came and he was like what can I do Well, at first, there was a girl that came, and she just saw my dog running around, and at this point, I realized I had a stab on my forearm, so I just start applying pressure to that so that I don't lose too much blood, and then I just tried to evaluate myself and see if I have any other stab wounds, and so she just grabbed my dog because I was like, I have the stab wounds covered, and... I just need help with my dog and so she grabbed my dog and then another guy came up he was on a bicycle he gave me his jacket that was red (laughs) thank goodness Mm -hmm. um and then I just wrapped it around my arm so that I wouldn't see the blood and stuff um and then Skylar came up and she's like 14 years old She just came from lifeguard training. So she told me, hi, my name is Skylar. I just came from lifeguard training. I'm trained in this. How can I help you? And so she started wrapping up my wound and applying pressure to that with a clean towel. And then at this time, the police arrive and start questioning me. And then from there, it just is, well... I first called my mom. Sorry. God, I get lost was, in this what part. What was that like? Oh, my gosh. Oh, what what was I, that call like? I felt really bad, to be honest, because even though he was a horrible guy and he tried to attack me... Well, he tried to kill you. He, yeah, he tried to kill me, but I just felt bad because I knew that she, at one point, loved this guy, and for anyone to love anyone when they pass... You have to feel something even if you hate them. You know, it's only human nature to feel sad about someone dying. Even if they did attack their daughter, uh, try to kill their daughter, and were purely evil. It's just human nature. Right. So I called her, and I was like, I'm so sorry. I think I killed your husband. And I told her that I knew this would happen because I... My sister and I have been telling her from the beginning that this guy was evil, that he was bad, that something was going to come out of it. So I felt the need to tell her that. And then afterwards, I like, called my ex-boyfriend and I was like, you need to come here because he's the only one that like met John with me besides like a few of my other friends. And I really needed that support during that time.
0: What did your mom say?
1: She was just like, oh, what? What happened? Like... She didn't understand at first. Couldn't and, comprehend you it. You know, it was like. It's so confusing. Yeah. The
3: confusion of that. It's like, and the guilt she must have had because of what happened to you.
1: Yeah. And then she showed up and she wasn't able to get to me because they had, like, the caution line and tape up. And so she felt guilty that she had to watch me, like be interrogated by this just like from afar you know so there's a lot of guilt and even that
0: and when you were looking at your when you were evaluating your body and seeing where else you might have been stabbed um, did you find any other places that you were stabbed or so
1: at that point i didn't but later when i was in the hospital and it wasn't till the end when I was getting released actually and I was changing into my clothes that my sister brought me that I had one on my chest. Oh my gosh. Was it deep? It was uh two centimeters deep. Oh. Wow. But um with where it was at, I needed to be transferred to a trauma unit. Oh wow. Yeah. And they like I think I was in the trauma hospital for maybe two days. It was really blurry because um, I was on a lot of Adderall and Zofran and like pain pills and stuff, all the pain medicine they gave me too. So I was really out of it, and I think I was on um, morphine. And I hate morphine. I just feel really out of it when someone gives me that stuff. Of
0: when when you were. Doing the pedal kicks and you were covering your body with your, with your arms, right? Like covering not your chest with at your this arms.
1: point. Um, when I was on the ground, I was, I probably had my, I probably had my arms, honestly, like I were kickboxing, but I didn't have them up, like protecting my chest. Um, because when you're on the ground and you're pedal kicking, it's not, oh, I remember now. Sorry, like bits and pieces, like come back to me. Sometimes Um, I actually had my hands like on the ground a little bit,
2: like supporting you. Yeah,
1: and I'm like, now that I thought, yeah, my hands were like all scuffed up afterwards. Mm.
2: And like when this is happening and you're fighting back, my biggest question is, were you? just on autopilot fight or flight and like were you not even thinking about what you were doing or were you being intentional and that was like what was coming to your brain because like we've never experienced anything that traumatic and i don't know how i would
1: react honestly in this moment it wasn't like i was thinking like i've seen so many shows and stuff that Probably was like subconsciously thinking about it, but in that moment, my body kind of just took over and it did what it needed to do in that moment.
0: What kind of shows you had mentioned The Walking Dead for the kill shot, uh, as you called it. But what about the other shows for when you were defending yourself?
1: Honestly, I watched The Walking Dead, Dexter. CSI Miami, CSI New York, CSI Las Vegas. Uh, (laughs) CSI, yes. (laughs) Uh, Law and Order, but only like the SVU unit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Obviously. Stabler. Right? Mm -hmm. And then they always used to have like such great guests on that show. And I just remember listening to a lot of those stories about the survivors of the people that actually like survived. They didn't really survive that because they're on a TV show. Right. But all the girls who said that they survived, they said that they fought like hell, yeah. and they didn't give up. Yeah. So I knew that I wasn't going to give up, and I really wanted to go see Jason Aldean that night. Did so. <laughs> you make it? I know.
2: <laughs> no, she was in the trauma unit for two I know. Days. <laughs> no, that, I'm saying. Have you, does have you Jason Aldean
1: know about this? He has to, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I actually met him brief, like just for a second at Stagecoach, uh-huh. and that was so nice because I felt kind of a sense of closure. It's like a full circle yeah, moment. Definitely. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's like I was able, like I've seen him three times now actually but I was like in that moment it was like this is finally over I don't have to fight for my life anymore you yeah. know
2: I love that country music was like you're like I'm fighting because I want to see fucking Jason Aldean. <laughs> <Yeah>. Damn it! <laughs>
0: it's country music and dogs because and- like the dogs is is a is a thread throughout this entire story, It's just crazy because like you're talking about how your mom, she and you mentioned like the kids were gone, she didn't have a dog at the time, and maybe mm-hmm. that's why she was a, w- was willing to let this guy in. Yeah, and your dog, you know, your you work with the dogs. And then he your called dog, you his dogs. Dogs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. And then your dog noticed him probably before you even did, yeah. and just started barking. And then your dog, uh, you know, helped save you when he was nipping at his at his heels, literally.
1: Yeah. No, Cash had a lot to do with it. And, like their instincts are so on point.
0: Yeah.
2: So I want to know about like. The healing process after this, I'm assuming you probably went to a lot of therapy, right?
1: Oh, yeah, so much. <laughs> and
2: everyone should. obviously, you probably have crazy PTSD from everything. Uh-huh. But, like, it's pretty crazy how you can talk about this so candidly. And it just seems like it's a normal conversation to you. Uh,
1: well, there's, like... At first, I didn't want to talk about it. Because yeah. it's so... It's re-traumatizing going through your trauma each time. And even... Even talking about it now, I'm not going to lie, there's still a time where I'm like, after this podcast, I really like to go home and just hang out with my dogs and, like, recuperate from it. Right. Um. But I've been through so much therapy. I've gone through EMDR. I've even wrote a couple blog posts about my trauma and my therapy and stuff um but i started out doing emdr therapy
2: can you explain that to i know what it is but it's a very interesting yeah form of therapy
1: so what my therapist did is she has these buzzers and these like tapper things that i have to hold in my hand and i have to have her turn it on really low because when they're on their high it actually is re-triggering to me so you kind of have to do EMDR and kind of work your way with what works for you. What is it supposed to be simulating? Um, it's just like um a sensor kind of. It's like you go through your attack and it helps like rewire your brain a little bit with having an extra sense on it. Interesting. Yes. And then... So like you will
3: go through like a play-by-play. Yes. And then this the sensors will go off at certain times and try to- uh,
1: well th- sorry they're going off the whole time and and so like i would have them in my hands and then i would actually start with a l- way less trauma than what i went through because i've experienced multiple traumas throughout my life like with like so have a lot of people and you don't realize that It was a trauma when you were younger. So you start out going through those ones and then you feel like at the end of each time you talk about it, you're like, okay, so on a scale of one to 10, how do you feel about this? Yeah. And then um, you keep going through it to get it to a lower number. Got it. Interesting. I've never heard of it.
2: yeah Yeah. it's it's for it's like a lot for ptsd like getting through like a specific like moment of trauma yes so then that's helped you a lot and then um what was i gonna say i was listening to another interview that you did so like when you do that you're like put yourself in a happy place right
1: um so at the end of it well you first like create your happy place and it's important to have that as a base and whenever things get to a level where it's too much to handle you can't really talk about it or you start to get like a panic attack from it then you go your therapist will be like okay let's go back to your happy place.
0: And what is your happy place?
1: My happy place, Um, so I used to do fly fishing with my dad in Montana and so it's like at this dude ranch where we used to go fly fishing and it's like this little pond and then um, I've my dad's not in that but like i'm at the pond and i have my dog with me cash so it's like i put things that weren't at my happy place before Mm -hmm. if that makes sense so you kind of make your happy place yeah you create your own i love that that sounds like such a nice happy place
3: emotional about it (laughs) (laughs) no seriously what you've been through is so hard Well, thank you. And you you take care of yourself. You're going to therapy. You're doing these things and you are so resilient.
1: Well, thank you. You just can't let something like this hold you back from other things. You gotta go out and live life and it's like this thing, like it was a horrible event that I went through, but At the end of the day, he's not here. He's not hurting other women. And if I were to survive something, I wouldn't want my attacker there at the end of the day. So I think it's a huge blessing. It just... There were so many things that I had to go through that they are hard. But, like, I'm so happy to be here, you know?
0: Do you think he might have attacked anybody else in the past and got away with it?
1: So... As I know, he attacked this one girl, I think it was in Laguna Beach, but she fought back. And, um, he ended up suing her because he <laughs> fell down and, like, broke his teeth. So, she he sued her and she had to get him new veneers and stuff.
2: Oh my god.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: that is the ultimate con man. You try to attack a girl, you fall and hit oh your teeth, God. and then she has to get you new veneers.
3: Uh-huh. How has um, the relationship within your family, the relationships within your family been since? I mean, how has the relationship with your mom,
1: your sister's relationship with your mom? Yeah, because like,
2: that's like a complicated thing, especially with your mom. Of course.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I want to just say this. Like, I love my mom to death, but there has been points where it's been hard for me to fully accept her apology. Yeah. Because it's like I couldn't like I couldn't have well this situation couldn't have turned out like into a better situation. And we did warn her so many times, so there's like resentment from us warning her and her not listening to us. And um that's hard sometimes, but now I'm in therapy with her.
2: Oh, that's good.
3: good. Yes. I
1: mean, totally. And it's just, like, teaching each other, like, what makes her happy and how I can communicate with her and then how um, she can communicate with me and just do it openly and honestly and not, like, lie about anything because... When she was with John, she did, like, lie about some stuff about him because she was scared. And so I just have some resentment from that. Yeah. I mean, of having
0: a good relationship with your parents and with your mom is tough enough as it is mm-hmm. to yeah. have this whole other on thing top on it. top of it. Yeah.
2: Um, wow. I have one question about, so do you have a boyfriend? Are you dating?
1: Um, I'm dating, but and my love life's really complicated okay Same girl. <laughs> isn't it always Same. Well, I was gonna say is it having
2: had this experience with him being a psychopath con artist tried to kill you like has that made your ability to trust men and their intentions harder since then
1: I'm a lot more judgy like if As a guy should be. <laughs> if a guy does something then I'm like judging him, like I actually just um ended it with this one guy because he had a lot of like narcissistic qualities, and it's really funny because, a couple of days ago, this girl contacted me and warned me about him, and I was just like, "I already hate him. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> You're already done." Yeah, but You're let's like- get together and talk about him.
2: <laughs> how'd she find you, or how'd she know that you sh- she that he dated you?
1: Um, because I was. Would- well, I was at a stagecoach, one of his friends went to the Neon Carnival, and I was there also, and I was trying to avoid him and, like, try to, like, get away from him because I was already over him, but then, um him and his friend find us and his friend's like a gay man and my friend was so drunk and she's like I've never had a gay best friend before (laughs) and so the whole time she just wants to hang out with him and have a new gay best friend and I'm just like I love you Brooke but like Really, like, <laughs> why does he have to be friends with him? <laughs> like, he was amazing. He was so cool. But like, the guy that I was dating, like, piece no. of shit. What, yeah. what were
0: some of the narcissistic qualities that that he was presenting?
1: Okay, so um, this was like after a few dates. I went on like probably three dates with him. But after, like, I think the second day, he came back to my house, and um, I have a puppy. And the puppy's kind of crazy. She's a little bit wild. But he kept on making comments to me that I was so crazy for adding another animal into my life. And I'm just, like, thinking like I'm not crazy. I love my life. I love my dogs.
2: Well, stop judging me, bro.
1: Yeah. So and dogs like for you, like Billy said, it's like this comfort and this
3: safety and like you could rely on your dog over anything. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean that dog helps when you in your most vulnerable moments of your whole life.
1: Yes. You know, more the merrier.
3: Bring on the
1: dogs. Yeah, give me all the dogs. (laughs) If I didn't have an apartment, I'd probably have, like, four.
2: (laughs) So he was making fun of you for being crazy.
1: Well, uh, he kept on calling me crazy, and that's a red flag. Yeah. When someone uses that word too much and they call other people crazy, Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, first You fucking make people crazy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, he's really the crazy one. And then um, I do this thing with my puppy that's called pressure training. And it's for, like, when the dog bites you and stuff, you, like, apply pressure into their mouth. And you either get them to let go or they just, like, yelp one time and it's over. And he made the dog yelp. And he didn't let go. And the dog continued to cry. And I literally had to tell him, like, okay, you can let go of my dog now. And... Oh. Yeah. And for him to do that in that moment, it, like told me that he didn't have any empathy that he was hurting a dog
2: or any boundaries yeah. for what he should be doing to somebody I as mean, somebody else's
1: chilling. dog yeah. and
0: did he know your story
1: um i don't think he knew it fully but he actually went to the dirty john premiere
0: oh, okay so then
1: he knows yeah. yeah so to yeah he's an idiot uh, yeah. <laughs> On to the next. i'm
2: sure i don't know um I think my last question is, so obviously the Bravo show came out based on the podcast. Do you think that you were and your story was accurately represented?
1: So it's so hard to be the person having their story told. So I think that there's always stuff that I would want differently. um, But it can never be exactly like my life. And but I really respect how they did it and how they ended it mm-hmm. um, and I really respect that they met up with me and really got my perspective of the attack the attack is actually almost exactly how it happened wow. there was like one thing where she put up her backpack and I think that I need to clarify when I like Put up my purse to protect my heart. It was, like, literally just over my heart. I wasn't, like, defending mm, yeah. with the mm-hmm. backpack. You know what I mean? So that was different. But everything else was, like, from my perspective and how it went down. That's so. good. So they, like, what,
0: did it justice. What are some of the things that you would have changed?
1: Um, well, I just would change, like, some of the events to make them more so exactly how they went down Mm -hmm. but with it being like bravo and tv it's like they can't do the our exact story there has to be some stuff that is different and then if someone's like names in there like my ex-boyfriend that story's changed also
2: right if he's not like signing off for it Mm -hmm.
0: what's next for you
1: what next um so far, I'm just working on my blog and I'm really um, trying to get more into talking about PTSD and mm-hmm. the trauma and therapy. So, I'm trying to do more blog posts like that. But I'm also traveling a lot. And then um, we have Crime Con coming up. Sure oh, do. So much fun. Sure <laughs> do. Yeah. Are you like, are you trying to get into the
2: talking to other survivors or anything about, um, self-defense or any into that world at all
1: well i would really like to do more speaking engagements um going around talking to girls about surviving surviving my attack what they should do in attack like that and then also about the aftermath about the ptsd and what it's like to go through trauma because i don't think a lot of people realize that they may have gone through a trauma in their life and that they may have some issues from it like if you were abused as a child that's a trauma if you were in a car accident that's a trauma and so it's really important to realize that this trauma has affected you and to get help for that
2: i love that do we have any other questions
1: My last
3: one, and I want this to come out correctly, would be just, this is awful, but are there any silver linings for you in that, did anything good happen as a result of this awful thing?
1: I feel like that 100% that there was so much good that came out of this. Like, he's dead. He's not here tormenting anyone else. This show came out, and a positive thing about that is that it's created awareness for so many women with that are going through a john scenario and it doesn't even have to be as extreme as john just yeah. to realize that there's people like that out there and then i feel like i have a life purpose now and i finally feel that in my life where when i was working with dogs and stuff i loved it and i loved them so much but now i feel like i actually have a purpose what's well, personal what's personal I mean, this, it was a life and death situation
3: and it put you on a new trajectory. It's deeply personal. And like few people get those moments to be like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's so powerful. Well,
2: and few people, I'm not gonna say few people, but it takes a lot to be as resilient as you are to be so open to talk about it and to use such a, you know tragic thing that happened to you as a platform to help other girls so have other girls come up to you and been like i've dumped this dude because i see all these qualities that were in john
1: yeah so many actually and it's made me so happy because there's points where i get like trolls and we all do yeah Yeah. and then you're just like do i really you're you're pretty on top of everything else so i'm sure that doesn't help Well, someone told me the other day that I needed to buy myself a butt and I was like, oh, thank you. I'm so skinny now. <laughs> <laughs> Always twist it into a compliment. I can't like,
2: People are trolling you. Like, I understand why people would troll me. But, like, I don't know. Like, all you did is try to defend yourself. Like, what
1: the fuck? <laughs> well, you know what? People that are unhappy, in- unhappy in their own lives they could choose anything to critique they right. could be like i don't like her voice which is what most people say people make fun of my voice too okay cool. and my breathing <laughs> you're breathing
2: <laughs> you're she's a heavy, heavy breather,
3: breather.
1: <laughs> did you heavy breathe in this episode over anxiety <laughs> that's a yes
2: but yeah I guess you're right like people will pick like they'll talk shit on Mother Teresa if they can yeah I... like people are such dicks no it makes fun of Billy he's the only oh,
0: people make people make fun of me don't worry about yeah. yeah we make fun of you enough. yeah and you guys you guys make fun of me <laughs> enough exactly so but Love yeah it. no I think it's you're what I always say about true crime and people always ask me like why is true crime so popular and this and that and I say well the, the the thing that always bothers me about true crime is that you have a thousand supervillains and so few superheroes. You've got Bundy and Gacy and Jack the Ripper and Son of Sam and all of this on one side. And then when you think about the heroes, it, it, they're often, you know, nameless and, and faceless because they're doing the work, um, you know, um, behind the scenes or whatever. You can mention John Walsh or, or somebody like that. But, you know, the more that we can show survivors and somebody that is now thriving i think is is viewed so it's the it's my way of saying that you're a superhero I oh guess.
2: thank <laughs> you all. that was poetic that
1: was really poetic yeah thank really you so much for being
2: here like this was so cool for us to actually like get to talk to you face to face and oh, thank you you're so wonderful and
3: yeah no we're so excited i oh, think you have big things on the horizon yeah, i know it yes
0: and we'll see you at crime con yes
2: yeah, everybody come to Crime
3: Con. No, seriously, this is going to be the best, like, posse drink getting coffee You know, we're going to
2: force you to be our friend at Crime Con. Oh,
1: oh I will be your friend okay, at Crime good. Con. Yes. But Crime Con only. And in, in real life. life. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like, and then no, we're not friends.
1: I'm going to be like coming down to Long Beach and like,
2: Tara. I'm like walking around trying to find you. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for being on the podcast. Your Instagram's just Tara Newell, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, follow Tira on Instagram. We'll be posting from Crime gun And um, if you guys have a story, we would love to share it. So DM Ooh. us on Instagram at the first degree, at Alexis Lingletter, at Jackmanic, at Billy Jensen. And um, yeah. And happy, <laughs> happy, happy.
0: What day is it?
2: Happy.
1: Bitch day. Attitude day. Happy attitude day. Happy
2: attitude day.
3: Happy is attitude it. day. See oh, you at Crime
1: Over oh, and out.